Seinfeld, the couch is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are not offering Poppy a seat at our Super Bowl parties. I'm Rob Sussman. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Going very good, Akiva. What a weekend coming up. Now, this podcast usually goes up on Saturdays, uh, sometimes Sundays. Uh, Scott St. Pierre gets it all edited, but we've got the Super Bowl coming up. We also have Larry David hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. What a weekend. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, which one are you more excited for? <laughs> Larry David. Yeah, I feel like you can't go wrong. He's going to nail the Bernie Sanders impression. Yeah. You know, maybe I, maybe you get Bernie Sanders actually there. Who knows? Yeah. You know, because they're in New Hampshire. It's a short flight. Mm-hmm. And, I think there's a uh, debate on Saturday, but maybe. Oh, yeah, can. yeah. I think you're right. I think he I think he does have a debate Saturday. No, maybe that's Republican. I'm not sure. It's hard to, there's a lot of debates. Hard to keep up with their schedules. That's true. Who knows? Anyway. I feel like there's better things to do than than watch these debates at this point. Yeah, so a lot of stuff going on, and I'm so excited for the Larry David Saturday Night Live. I was watching his previews where that he did with Leslie Jones, and even those were really funny, and usually those are never funny. No, those are never. Yeah, it, Larry, is everything he does is gold at this point, except for that dumb HBO movie. Everything <laughs> yeah. he does turns to, turns to gold. Everything else he does is funny, except for that he one movie. He could have turned Millennia around. <laughs> All right. It's a throwback from like the first five episodes of this podcast. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be talking about The Couch from October 27th, 1994. It's the return of Poppy. It's also going to be a lot of couch moving going on in this episode. Also, George tries to catch breakfast at Tiffany's in something that could never happen in 2016. So lots of fun stuff to talk about today, Akiva. Uh, yeah, there is a lot going on. It is fun to see Poppy again. Nobody really has... Uh, Everyone has a lot to do in this episode. It's really, uh, there's stuff going on all around. A lot of stuff going around. So let's not dilly-dally. Got any news, Akiva? Uh, I don't have any hard news, but uh, I'll read you a little story here. Well, when do we ever have hard news on this show? Well, I mean, like, hard news for us is like, uh, you know, Curb might be coming back, or uh, Jerry said something really controversial, you know? <laughs> sure. That's like our equivalent of hard news. I mean, the show ended, you know, 25 years ago. So. Yeah, a fun fact, sure. Yes. So Okay, so Jimmy Traina, you know who he is? No. He's uh, he used to work for Sports Illustrated. He's a sports writer. Now he's at Fox Sports. He's a big Seinfeld fan. Got it. So he tweeted a, a, a short story I thought was uh, funny. Uh, two years ago today, it was the highlight of my career. I interviewed Jerry Seinfeld. I'm going to share a little behind the scenes story. Next tweet. During the interview, Jerry called me Peter. Remember, his name is Jimmy. Jeremy, Jerry called me Peter three or four times. I didn't correct him because he's Jerry bleeping Seinfeld, and I figured I would just edit out edit it out afterwards. I guess it was for his podcast. Mm-hmm. Two hours after recording, my phone rings. I see it's a blocked number and debate whether to pick it up because who the hell answers a call from a blocked number? But I decide to answer. I say hello, and I hear, Jimmy, this is Jerry Seinfeld. I don't say anything because I'm trying to figure out – there's a lot of tweets at this point – trying to figure out which of my friends is pranking me. After a pause, he says – I just want to apologize for calling you the wrong name. I feel terrible about it. Why didn't you correct me? Anyway, he says, how's that for class? And, you know, and then he links to something about Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Wow. I thought that was funny that like he, like how does he figure out three hours later that he was calling the guy the wrong name the whole time? Was it like a throwback Thursday? How did that come up? Um, I don't know. He was just thinking about Jerry. He's, he's always tweeting about Seinfeld. He loves Seinfeld. All right. So we could probably get him if we want Trina. (laughs) Well, it's good to know that when we get Jerry eventually on the podcast, if he ever calls us the wrong name, then we know he will call back sometime after. And then two calls from Jerry. Nice. Yeah. Boy, how big of a famous person do you have to be at? What level do you get the blocked phone number? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I think it's just like if if you have to change your number, if it gets out into 
you know, the wrong hands. Because mm-hmm. Jimmy even says, hey, who answers a phone call from a blocked number? It's not like, ooh, blocked number. Those are what all the celebrities call from. It's interesting. Well, you know, Stephen Avery was a big celebrity. He had a blocked phone number. <laughs> I think hey, he still is a big celebrity. To me, the issue is, you know, first of all, nowadays, it's much easier to just change your phone number because you just email all your like important contacts. Hey, by the way, you know, I need to change. If you're like Britney Spears, you just change your phone number every few weeks and tell the few people who need to know. Back then, what would you do? You'd have to like call all your contacts and tell them, you know, people would just lose touch with you. <laughs> yeah. It's hard having celebrity friends. I guess so. <laughs> all right. So in addition to all of these uh, blocked phone numbers and uh, misremembering names, Akiva, I know that you had found something interesting in our iTunes reviews. You know, we've gotten some really nice iTunes reviews recently, you know, and I figured we should read some, but I think there's one that you cannot read. Okay. Why is that? I'm very literate, Akiva. Uh, you're, you're like, uh, you're on like an OJ level. Of <laughs> How dare you? Wait, OJ in the movie or OJ in real life? Oh, I know. Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay. He's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So we got a few reviews, but I noticed it, one was like blocked out because iTunes couldn't understand the Hebrew, but on a different uh, computer, it, it showed up. Okay. So, so it doesn't say who it is because it doesn't, it can't like, the letters are sort of like uh, gibberish. Okay, know, so like just frame of- this. So you are on iTunes looking at our reviews and we're at the same place you can go to subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes and somebody left us a review in Hebrew? Correct. Okay. Is that in the Israeli iTunes store? No, no, no. The- it's American iTunes. American, American iTunes store. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is the funniest podcast in the whole world. Zezahav, Jerry Zahav. You could probably figure that one out yourself. Hmm. I cannot. Uh, this is gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> Zahav is gold. <laughs> yeah. That's Akiva. it? Akiva. Oh. No, Akiva. Please translate this, Akiva, for everyone to hear. Good job, you guys. Love to you guys from Israel. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, we're, we're international. <laughs> now, could, if anybody has, like, I feel like we want reviews in other languages. Yeah. At all other different languages, you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes or search for Seinfeld, the postshow recap in the iTunes store. Okay, Akiva, you ready to jump into talking about the couch? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about this. And of course, October 27, 1994, Jerry is talking about furniture in his opening stand-up, talks about the love seat that was sort of designed. If you can't get the woman to sit close to you on the couch, just make the couch shorter, which I think is a funny idea. And then talks about the lazy boy being the worst name for a product. I kind of like the name lazy boy. Yeah, you would get in a chair and say, oh, lazy boy, that's for me. Yeah, one one of my like work chairs is kind of a lazy boy, but the problem is you can't get up. Like I'll work in it, but then after two hours, you're you're dead. Like your legs can't move. Is the recliner lazy boy type chair is that becoming more popular or less popular? I think it's less popular. I think so. You have lunatics like you who have a standing desk. <laughs> you know, in LA, they're probably illegal at this point. Lazy boy. <laughs> well, you don't work from a lazy boy. Well, you don't. I do. <laughs> That's what you do. You sit in a lazy boy. I have two chairs, but one of them is like a giant lazy boy. The other one is like a classic office chair. Yeah. I think that maybe Archie Bunker sort of popularized the lazy boy. And I think that that sort of made it like a staple. Everybody had to have like, you know, sort of instead of like a man cave, you just had like your, oh, that's dad's chair in the living room. Right. That's what dad watched TV on. Exactly. Yeah. Now I think that men have less of a say in the furniture buying in the living room. Like, I don't think you could have just like one chair that doesn't match anything else. That's just sort of like the throne that dad sits on. That's true. <laughs> All right, so we start off the episode, Jerry and George are furniture shopping. 
Do we have any sense of why Jerry is shopping for a new couch at the start of the episode? I think he's just, you know, I mean, right. Is he looking for a couch? Is he just in the furniture store? It's almost like, Uh, I don't know. I guess he's just sick of his couch. Yeah, I think that the only reason that we hear is that he has too many people who want to sleep over because he has a pullout couch. So it's almost like he wants to replace it so nobody can sleep at his house. It doesn't work, trust me, because I have a couch that doesn't pull out. And, I, you know, I, I have people come and, you know, hangers on and they'll just sleep on the couch one night and it doesn't stop them. So we also find out that George has a girlfriend in this scene and his girlfriend is making him join a book club. What do you think of George with the book club girlfriend? Well, again, we don't see her till the last scene in the episode. Yeah. You know, it's a little strange. You barely know her name. Uh, And then she, you know, plays a much more prominent role in next week's episode. All right. So the book that she wants him to read is Breakfast at Tiffany. Yeah, which I honestly didn't know was a book before Seinfeld. And, I, you know, I don't know anything about it. Yes. Apparently it's by Truman Capote. Yeah. Truman Capote, I've heard of. I've read uh, In Cold Blood, but I I don't know anything about Breakfast and Tiffany's. It does take them quite a while to arrive at the why don't you just watch the movie in terms of the solving this problem. Like, don't you feel like that George should have been able to think of this himself? Yeah, it's such a George idea. Like, yeah, George should be the one who's thinking of these things. Also, like, what about Cliff's Notes? Those were very popular then. Um, The thing is that this book might not even be like famous enough for Cliff's Notes. Yeah. I feel like the cliff notes are more for stuff that you read in school. And I'm not sure if Breakfast at Tiffany's is in anybody's English class. No, you're right. Yeah, it's not. It's not in the canon, the literary canon. So it just seems weird. Like, I don't know if they could have picked out a better book where it's like something that is more known for being a book and has like a lesser known movie. But I almost feel like it should have been something where they say, oh, did you know there's actually a movie of that? What? What are you telling you? Like, how did I not know there's a movie? I could go see the movie instead of reading the book. Like, yes. It's like, this is so well known as a movie. Who knew it was a book? Yeah, it's crazy. All right. So they're looking for a couch. Jerry finds exactly the one that he's looking for. Did you happen to watch the deleted scenes, Keeve? Yes. Yeah. The deleted scenes, they really make a meal out of the furniture store. Yeah. Again, they're deleted for a reason. (laughs) And sometimes it's very similar and they just take it like a slightly different take on, you know, on the the joke or something. (laughs) Yeah, but I remember being like very much uh, like, wow, I can't believe how much time they're spending in the furniture store for a scene they cut in. And it seems like that they were doing dialogue that we're going to see in a future episode about how George loves velvet. Yeah, the exact line of being draped in velvet. George also says that the couch, it's like it's a good couch. But is it is it comfy cozy, which kind of is like a creepy phrase. (laughs) Yeah, it's like something you would have told your kid. But even now, like your kid would think you're weird, like something you would have said to your kid in 1993. (laughs) all right so we finally see jerry and elaine and they are moving the couch out this is when jerry mentions that his old couch doesn't fold out so elaine is sort of hot for this couch moving guy uh what do you think of the couch mover keeve he's a good looking guy do you ever see the show jag no he is the star of the show jag which ran for like 200 something episodes wow uh, he looks a little bit like the uh, Sofia Vergara's husband. What's that guy's name? Joe, like unpronounceable. Mangelanello or something. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that guy. Yeah, he's very classically like good looking guy. You know what's amazing? I don't know if you've ever like had to deal with movers, but if you just ask them to move something somewhere else that's not in their schedule that day, they'll just do it for you. Oh, really? No, of course not. But this yeah. happens five times in the episode. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, they're really like, oh, can you take this to this person's house? Like, uh, okay, sure. No problem. Yeah. I mean, I once had a, had a couch that didn't fit in a Manhattan elevator mm-hmm. and the guys were like, well, 
guess you're gonna have to throw it in the garbage because I'm not carrying it up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, how much do you want to carry up the stairs? Like a hundred dollars, hundred dollars to carry it up like twenty stairs. Yep. Yeah. Who cares about their political views? I mean, these were the only unjaded movers in history. It's true. Like, if you find <laughs> movers like this, then you don't get rid of them. Don't get rid of them. Keith Hernandez should hire these guys. That's not a bad point. I, I mean, the fr- thing is, maybe they don't say their price because they just hit you with it afterwards and it's like quadruple what it should be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they're moving in the couch. Elaine wants the old couch. These guys are going to help move it over to Elaine's house. The guy seems a little bit oblivious to Elaine hitting on him. Yeah. He, it's all like Elaine wants him. He, you know, he will eventually like her. But, you know, listen, he's moving heavy furniture. That's the least, you know, the least of his problems is some random lady in an apartment. Yeah, Jerry realizes after they leave that he didn't offer them a drink. Really very little payoff in this episode to the Jerry didn't give the movers a drink subplot. It doesn't make sense. Like she, the only reason it, I mean, I don't want to say it has no payoff because like the very last, you know, scene in the show is, it, you know, is them discussing it and then is like, oh, yeah, but I am thirsty. I want to drink. So I, the, I wouldn't say there's no payoff. I just think it's not like a, it was too much of this for that. Yeah. It just seems like there's no payoff with Jerry, who he is the one right. that commits the original sin of not offering the guys to drink. And then I feel like it's sort of just like tacked on as like a last thing in the episode. Yeah, or maybe they telegraphed it too much or something. Maybe. So we end up with Kramer coming in and he says, hey, remember the idea I had for the pizza place where you make your own pies? Well, it turns out that he was talking with Poppy and they are going to go into business with each other. Now, Akiva, I think that this is very peculiar here because Jerry seems to have very little memory of his first interaction with Poppy. Very little. He remembers that he didn't like him, but he almost can't remember why. And maybe he's triggered by the handshake in the restaurant. Yeah. Because after the handshake in the restaurant, he desperately wants to get out of that restaurant. Yeah. Jerry is sort of like that. He doesn't even remember where he's like, I'm not going there. Didn't he get busted by the Board of Health or something? Yeah. yeah you that, you, you snitched on him, You buddy. called the Board of Health. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's no reason for Jerry to be playing it coy. I know that Kramer is going into business with Poppy, but it's almost like that maybe Jerry Seinfeld himself didn't remember the exact details of what happened with Poppy, and he sort of, like, played the line wrong. But I don't know know what's going on here. This could be an error in the writer's room. I don't disagree. Yeah, because Jerry just sort of, like, totally underplays it here, but then when he has to shake Poppy's hand, it's like he doesn't want to shake Poppy's hand. Right. He should. Right. He should be saying like, oh, yeah, I dated like there's so much history. He dated his daughter. You know, he saw him. You know, he doesn't even mention the, you know, like, oh, yeah. How could you you know, how could you go into a restaurant business with this guy who's disgusting? Right. On top of it, it's a pizza making restaurant where Poppy, you would imagine, would be like handling a lot of dough early on. And Jerry, you would think would be totally grossed out. Like, I'm not doing anything. He wouldn't even eat that thing that Poppy had made for his daughter. So it just makes no sense that Jerry wouldn't be totally scarred by the first interaction with Poppy. It's true. It's crazy. So apparently Poppy's has also really classed up since the last time we saw Poppy, where now where it was just like you were getting like American fare, like apple pie, or you could get like a pizza. Now you have to order duck two days in advance at Poppy's. Yeah, this is almost like a a fancy diner where they just have everything on the menu. (laughs) Yeah. But didn't you feel like that Poppy's went from being sort of like, you know, a little bit kind of like a, you know, nice place to almost like a four star, five star restaurant? Totally. I think that's what that probably what happened was they got closed down for a while from the Board of Health and they decided to retool 
and you know go for a higher clientele, especially since their current customers maybe were skeeved out by the uh, you know by the bad health reviews. Um, you know, and, and they decided to go for it. And it, it looks like it's a hit because he talks about how successful he is. Kiva, you're much more of a foodie than I am. Is this a thing where you have to order succulent duck two days in advance? I don't know about duck. There definitely is a concept in certain restaurants where you do have to order. You know, they need to cook something for 24 hours or 48 hours. But I can't imagine. Could you imagine like how hungry you'd have to be to order something, you know, two days before you were ready to eat at that restaurant? Yeah. Like I'm a pig, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> How do you know what you want? I know. Let's say let's say you get there. Is like is this binding? Because Poppy like comes to his house and gets the cash from him. For the like, <laughs> the if I call the restaurant, I'm like, hey, I'm coming Thursday night, and I really want you to broil this special, you know, thing from China, and uh, you know, I know you need 48 hours notice. Let's say I get there, I'm like, nah, you know what? I had a big lunch. <laughs> Can I just have a soup and a salad? Because I, I feel like you're on the hook for it, but I kind of feel like that it's weird that they would just shake you down for the cash. Yeah, but let's say you don't show up. Like, are they are, <laughs> like they should take your credit card if you're if you're doing something like that? Yeah, it's the kind of thing like where if you order something for a pickup, I guess they take your credit card number. They they have to because otherwise this business is you know people I could just not show up and what are they going to do? Come to my house? Yeah. And say you ordered something for my restaurant. Okay. So we end up also that Kramer ends up having a moment where he thinks the couch is going to be going to be in a certain place. And he ends up having a, a typical Kramer fall down. This was pretty good. Like he really gets smashed by the couch. And it could be, you know, we don't really see him behaving that erratically, but this could be like his fourth concussion already of the series. Kramer was like, hey, Jerry, you have to have the duck. I'm going to call Poppies and order the duck for you. You have to have it. Yeah, he's really into this duck. I mean, he must have, you know, it's not like Kramer to make plans this far in advance for duck, but he must have had this duck a couple times. The problem is we need a reason for Jerry to go back to Poppies. And so that is what is going to be the impetus for Jerry's return to Poppies, the scene of the crime. Which is probably why they played it that he didn't remember much, because the Jerry we know would just would never go back. Like you couldn't bring him back even if the duck was free. So we end up seeing George that he's picking up the Breakfast at Tiffany's book, but then he picks up the TV guide. So George is ending up getting distracted from what he's supposed to be doing. The guide? Yeah. So... Elaine and Jerry go back to Poppy's and Elaine tells Jerry about this great line she had with the guy from the moving company that the guy asked Elaine, hey, do you date movers? And Elaine said, I do now. It's pretty good. You should try that one. Like, not you, but like someone, you know, hey, do you date podcasters? (laughs) Well, you think anyone's ever said that? Right. I don't think so. I don't, but I would be the person to say that you date podcasters that I would need the other person to say I do now. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think you'd get an I do now from that. Yeah. What would be the most ridiculous profession to say, like, do you date? Hmm. If we're talking about profession, do you date? Like, what would be the worst pickup line? Like, hey, do you date librarians? Yeah, it would be hard to say without completely offending somebody right yeah no i know but like what sounds yeah I guess. probably sex offenders i think mean, no, that's not technically, <laughs> that's your technically job. a job you have to do a lot of that for you yeah job. yeah so then jerry is talking about how oh, i feel bad i didn't offer the guy who drank could you make it up to him elaine says she will but i have a feeling she never actually was planning to no i don't think so yeah all right so poppy comes in so good to see you again he's going to go into business with Kramer, I really do feel like even the establishment of Poppies looks nicer than the last time we saw it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't call up the old one, but I would, I would like to see side by side and see what's going on there. You know, they still had that open kitchen where you could sort of see what's going on, but I feel like that maybe we just saw more of Poppies 
going back to like we just saw like in the last time we saw we saw just like a table in front of the counter now i feel like we saw like an extra like 20 feet of poppies like to the left of the counter yeah yeah it's uh i mean i don't i it's the same set probably but just made up much differently (laughs) so poppy is talking and elaine says that your mother must be very proud and poppy ends up going into like a super long monologue about how difficult it was for his mother now i don't know much about like tact and dignity but how old is poppy <laughs> I'd like he's say in his 50s right conservatively yeah like you never assume unless you know the mother yeah. you never assume that you know like hey your mother must be this or that like I've, the age is very young where you can just assume that someone has both parents and just talk like that yeah it's a weird line for elaine to say and it's also i feel like i know where they're going with this that they're just trying to set up that Poppy has this story with his mom for when Elaine asks him about the abortion thing later. But I just, I still think that Poppy could be upset about abortion. You didn't need the story about his mom also to set it up. Right. I mean, they do have him as just like a blither, like a guy who just goes on and on about his mother and tries to tell everyone these stories. <laughs> yeah. Now, what nationality is Poppy? I mean, she was taken uh, from her house by the communists, but I'm not sure what, you know, what, what they are. Yeah. I mean, you would imagine that Poppy is Italian. And were the communists, I mean, I imagine that would imply the Russians. Where does there, you know, the Russians fighting Italy in World War II? But is Poppy really Italian? I feel like his, his uh, nationality is so ambiguous. Like he has such a weird accent and there's so much going on there that who knows where he's from. I mean, I think that the name Poppy and the fact that he's making a lot of pizza implies that he's Italian. Oh, so you're saying only Italians can make pizza? No, but I feel like if your name is Poppy and you have a pizza restaurant, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that you're but Italian. But maybe his dad was Italian and his mom was from a place where the communists Interesting. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Good point. Point Kiev. Yeah. So we get this whole big story from Poppy. And again, it is typical Seinfeld where, you know, you have a bit character do like a very long monologue about something super serious and nobody interrupts them. Yep. That's a great Seinfeld thing. So uh, we cut back to George. Now he's reading Cracked Magazine. Do you ever read Cracked Magazine? No. Was it like the poor man's Mad Magazine? Yeah. I wonder why they didn't just do Mad Magazine. I don't know. Maybe Mad Magazine wanted money for it. Who knows? I don't know. Or maybe they made fun of Seinfeld too bad. Oh, that's possible. Also, I wasn't really a big fan of either one of those. All right. So Jerry is talking about that. He could have just stayed home and ordered from Pequinos. Elaine is talking about how nice it is that they're out. And Elaine would not eat at Pequinos because the owner of Pequinos gives money to radical anti-abortion groups. Now, let's just talk about first Pequinos. Is Pequinos supposed to be some sort of like Domino's Pizza Hut doppelganger? You know, I didn't really like I don't it would be like very hard to find without knowing beforehand, like if maybe the CEO or or an owner of one of those chain pizza stores like that was a thing that happened then. There's definitely people now who like won't eat a Chick-fil-A, right? Because the CEO has Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Sorry, I've never been there. Yes. Um, uh, Chick-fil-A because their owners, uh, you know, uh, they don't agree with their owners politics. So it's definitely uh, something that happens. Yeah. No, certainly that's a big deal where there's a lot of people that don't want to go to a place like Chick-fil-A. And there's probably other places, other establishments like that that have similar sort of boycotts of Seinfeld very much ahead of their time. I have to feel like, though, that Pequino seems like it's more of a smaller place. Like it feels like maybe there's just like a couple of Pequinos. Yeah, but Elaine is just really, you know, on top of who's the 
the anti-abortion activists. But yeah, maybe it's like they have five restaurants in the city, not, uh, you know, thousands nationwide. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's more so that than some sort of like a Domino's uh, doppelganger. But anyway, so so Jerry wants to know if Elaine would eat at Poppy's if she found out that Poppy was anti-abortion or anti-choice, I should say. Why is Jerry making this trouble here? Is he, does he's he just bored. want to get out of the restaurant? He's bored. He doesn't want to be there. He's like, just like, oh, this is stupid. I don't even care about the duck. And I feel like that he could just be a troublemaker. But is he really trying to sabotage this before they have to order? I think that he's so bored. He's like, I wish I would have rather stayed home. This is really, there's nothing interesting going on here. I don't care about having duck. And maybe Elaine is excited about this. Maybe I could ruin this for Elaine by putting her, you know, sort of like um, she wants to take a stand against abortion. Let's find out if Poppy might be anti-choice. That would be great. Yeah. So for Jerry, it's really completely out of just that he wants to be amused uh, and entertained while he's waiting for food. Uh, Which is uh, pretty, you know, consistent with Jerry's character of doing things to amuse him that harm other people. Okay. So Jerry calls Poppy over to the table and wants to know from Poppy, what's his stand on abortion. I had to go back and watch this like three times. I couldn't make out what Poppy was saying. The story is very unclear. It's also like, doesn't Poppy, like his mother, I know she spent, you know, she didn't spend a lot of time with him because she died from the uh, bad fish in the high seas. Mm -hmm. But, but like, didn't she teach him not to discuss uh, abortion before dinner at your own restaurant? (laughs) No. Well, here's what Poppy says. He says, when my mother was abducted by the communists, she was with child. But the communists, they put an end to that. So on this issue, there is a no debate and no intelligent person can think differently. Wow. Yeah. So what the communists do, they killed. I thought they like killed her. I guess they didn't kill her. Right. No, but that's not how she died. So it's so bizarre. This story. They cut the baby. Like, did they like abort it for her? I guess they did. Yeah. Or they they beat her to a point where I don't know. She lost it. Okay. Yeah. I just very dark here. It's a very dark story. But to me, like, I just, I don't see the one-to-one relationship of that his mother was pregnant and was captured by the communists. And this means that you shouldn't be allowed to have an abortion. Yeah, I hear you. But listen, uh, seems like it's just seems like it's not really uh, like I get it. And I understand that, like, you know, his mom lost a baby. So. Uh, you know, it just seems like a weird sort of way, you know, that that that, that he feels like that. Right, no they one could have told a different story, probably. But they right. just went for total ridiculous. This is, you know, Larry David wrote this episode, but a lot of this is is pretty Larry, Larry Charlesy. this episode. Yeah. You know, you could just have it that Poppy is a very religious guy and he doesn't want, you know, he he believes that, you know, as we'll have the debate later on, at what point does a dough become pizza? I think that that could, you know, be similar to the way that Poppy's views could be on a fetus. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, so Elaine is like, well, that's it. We're out of here. She can't eat at Poppy's anymore. I mean, this is like a very strong stance. Like, I will not support any business that has a different political opinion than me. Like, I, the, the, the Pequinos guy, he was an activist, right? Mm-hmm. He was a fanatic. He gave money to, you know, who knows what those people were doing. Maybe they were blowing up abortion clinics. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I Poppy think, just has an opinion. Well, he has a very strong opinion that he says to Elaine that he really offends her. And he says that no intelligent person could see it any differently. That's true. 
So That's I true. think he that, does say that. Yeah, he's really offended her. And not just Elaine, but a lot of the half the customers in the restaurant also get yeah, up Poppy and leave. He should have kept his fat mouth closed. Yeah, I guess that duck isn't quite as succulent as we thought. Yeah, we, he should have stuck his dirty, his dirty hands in his mouth. And, not, yeah. not and then it turns out that some people were emboldened by Poppy. They said, yay, Poppy. You, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel, too. That's how it works, right? Like you have, you know, you'll have in the news like uh, a pizza store refused to cater a gay wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And most people... Uh, or many people will say like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm never going to, you know, pa- patronize those people. But then you'll have people who, who, you know, like, hey, you're going to cater my wedding now because I, you know, agree with what you're saying. Yeah. It's a zero sum so game. Know, they're really prescient here. This is like 25 years ahead of their time. Yeah. You could either have no views and really get nobody on your side, but you don't make anybody mad. Or you could have strong views and get half the people really on your side, but half the people really against you. Well, we're in the hot take era right now. Really, that's what we're going to be known for, for hot takes. <laughs> that's the era of time? Yes. When did we're that not, start? Like, we have some millennials and we're whatever, you know, but we're ultimately, like historians 100 years from now, they will mostly just talk about the hot takes. When did the hot take era begin? At Tim it's Tebow? a really good question. I feel, like, I feel like that's almost too big of a question for right now. I have to, I have to like think about that for the whole weekend. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Amir and Chester will have you know some very strong opinions on that, but that's good. The hot take I feel like Skip Bayless will be very yeah. like when the history books they'll mention him. No, I think it's when Tim Tebow won those like three games in a row at the end of the season, and the Broncos got in the playoffs. I think that's really around the, the hot take era. The year they call that the year of magical stinking. <laughs> when Tim Tebow messed up every game but one. I think that's not bad. May, it may just be the birth of Twitter started the hot take era. Hot take era? No, I think that's too early. Okay. Yeah, but that, this is a good question, maybe. To, I don't know how many uh, hot takes there were in 2008. Yeah, when there was like eight people on Twitter, that was, there probably <laughs> weren't that many. Not too many, but we will see. We'll see where it goes. All right. So Jerry is back at Monk's now with George, and he's like bragging about this whole thing that happened at Poppy's. He, was, he loved it. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, Jerry is, he's like a child who, you know, caused the riot and is basically just very proud of himself. Yeah, he loves it. He wants to know how was the book, George? Yeah, and this is funny because at the beginning of the episode, George is talking about how smart he's going to be smarter than Jerry by the end. But, you know, clearly he hasn't read it. He yeah. just knows the main character's name is Holly Golightly. Yeah. So Jerry suggests, why don't you go rent the movie? And George's like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? I like when George says, if it's not about sports, I can't concentrate on it. Yeah. I feel the same way. <laughs> I definitely get that from you. But I feel like that, I don't know if that's necessarily quite true with George Costanza. Do you feel like that George Costanza is like a sports nut? I know he works for the Yankees, but really, does George seem to be going out of his way to, it seems like there's like a lot of sporting events that George is missing, hanging out at Monk's and at Jerry's house every night. Yeah, it's a good point. It's boring to have a character, like, that's why they wouldn't make a sitcom of me, just like someone sitting and watching a football game, you know, so you have to have George do things other than that. Yeah. But it is a good question, right? It's not like, he's not like flying to Lambeau Field and watching a Packers game. (laughs) I do agree with what you're saying. He goes to very few sporting events. He's rarely watching sports. He talks about Mike Lupica from time to time, and he works for the Yankees, sure, but outside of that, I don't feel like that George is a huge sports fan. Are you saying he's a filthy casual? Yeah, I think he's more of a casual or even a poser. Oh, boy. Hey, so here's a, he doesn't care about anything. He's like a nihilist. Yeah. So like sports are the only thing he cares about even a little. So to him, that's like his number one hobby. <laughs> I guess so. He, you know, in theory, he's a big sports fan. But, you know, he's not. He's no uh, he's no Sester Nino. Now, well, I, I'm hardly the you know definition of a hardcore sports fan. Uh, George, as a person who grew up in Queens, don't you think it's more likely he'd be a Mets fan too? Are there a lot of Yankee fans in Queens? Uh, the, I mean, the 
I think there's more Yankee fans in Queens than I don't know. Every time I say this, Chester sends me like 40 articles. I don't even want to get started. But there, I, the Queens definitely has the highest percentage of Met fans. But there are Yankee fans in Queens, especially okay. the further you get away from the stadium. All right. So Kramer makes an appearance and he heard about what happened with Poppy. Yeah. And I, I mean, for some reason, Kramer is, uh, you know, taking Poppy's side the whole way here. He, as we've seen a hundred times already, he will throw his friends under the bus in a second for his new friend. Well, of course. And especially considering the fact that Poppy had to be hospitalized after this attack that he suffered. It's not clear why he had to be hospitalized. They don't say like, oh, he had a heart attack. Well, I guess from piecing it together here and in the deleted scenes. So I guess that Poppy has a really sensitive, a fishback esque stomach. And I think he had like some sort of like a a GI attack after all this. He got such agita that he had to be hospitalized. Right. I guess maybe that's why he's so mad also because he's in there for a GI attack and they're bringing him five alarm chili. But, but you know, this episode never really uh, spells that out for us. Yeah. Anyway, so we end up then seeing Elaine and she is talking with the mover, Carl. And she's talking about how she's used the same bottle of shampoo forever, which just seems like weird conversation to me. That is like a weird thing. But I, 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 I've had that sometimes where I'll have like a shampoo and I'm like, hey, I've had this for like a long time. Maybe I'm not using it. enough. Yeah, but you're not Elaine Bennis right, I have with a, a big wall of hair. Right. Totally. I don't know. I think she's just uh, making conversation, making something up here. And yeah. so <laughs> Elena says to him about it, like, oh, this is a pretty good date. Yeah. No heavy lifting. So everything is uh, going good for Elaine and Carl. Hot and heavy, as they say. <laughs> All right. So now here's Kramer with Poppy and Kramer's trying to make things right. And he brings a present from Jerry and Elaine to Poppy. All right. This is it's a great present, a bizarre present that they got for Poppy. So Poppy opens up the present and it's a bottle of wine and the previously aforementioned five alarm chili. What kind of gift is this? It's a weird hospital gift. That's for sure. Yes. Like what? I mean, what's good? What's a good hospital gift? I feel like it has to be lighter food because you don't know what he can eat. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like donuts or bagels are a great hospital food to bring. Yeah, it's so odd, all of this. I mean, the five alarm chili is such a wacky gift. And there's really no reason whatsoever. I mean, in the deleted scenes, Jerry mentions of the five alarm chili, like, oh, I heard it was good for your sinuses. But it almost speaks to the fact that they have no idea what's going on. Why couldn't they make Poppy a diabetic and they sent him a box of chocolates? Yeah, that would have been that would have made a lot more sense. Again, is that as funny? Am I getting too caught up in the logic of all of this and that we've Probably. made the episode completely <laughs> not funny? I mean, is it funny that they sent him a five alarm chili? I don't know if the five alarm chili is getting a lot of laughs other than just the randomness of it. <laughs> it almost takes me out of the scene. I'm like, what? What did, we, what did they get him? Yeah, it is. It is a totally insane gift. Yeah. And the wine. I'm not sure why Poppy is so upset about this. Poppy is a crazy person. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> just the combination everything is bizarre about this uh yeah i mean poppy there's a lot of like poppy's just mumbling throughout this whole episode and <laughs> you're like leaving a, a trail of like destruction in his path well he does leave a trail of something in his path that's true all right this poppy is upset about all this he says they're trying to kill me and it's a sick joke and he says they owe me for those ducks and Kramer distances himself from the core four and says that we're not very close. Yeah, it's not close to them at all. All right. So now Elaine comes back and she is in love. She's so happy about everything going on with Carl. And so 
She's bragging about how there's no games. And Jerry says, what do you mean there's no games? How do you know who's winning? You do have to win the relationship. And right now it's a tie. Yeah. So Jerry gets a <laughs> an idea. Elaine is talking about how great it is. And he says to her, what's his stand on abortion? And Elaine really, uh, very slapstick. She's like doing her lipstick and she like draws her lipstick across her face. Yeah. It's unlike Elaine. Unlike Elaine. And so Jerry wants to know about the abortion. And she says, well, he's very pro-choice. Elaine almost seems to know immediately how bad this is. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be against abortion. I mean, there's a lot of people who were who were pretty against like, choice to neutral. Right. But she seems to know immediately like, oh, he's the perfect guy. But I know he's going to be, you know, anti woman's choice. Yeah. Game over here. Yeah. And Jerry is, is really now just causing havoc for no reason. Yeah. But I don't understand what the takeaway is here because he's so good looking or because he's a, a mover. Why are they so convinced that he is not going to see things Elaine's way? Well, she says that he's probably pro-choice because he is good looking. So I don't know if she's convinced. I just think she realizes it's 50-50 that the relationship is over. Okay. So we see George at the video store. And who's this working at the video store, Keeve? It's uh, Patton Oswalt himself. Wow. How about that? Uh, Patton Oswalt, by the way, a very underrated actor. Good yes. Actor. Yes. And just a, a young lad here, a young Patton Oswalt. And George wants to rent Breakfast at Tiffany's. And he cannot because somebody has it. By the way, do you ever, um, we were talking about sports fans before. Do you ever see the movie Big Fan? I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. It's really good. People should, I, I highly recommend it. People should, especially if you like sports or hate sports even. It's, you know, it's sort of, it's a, it's a story about a guy who was nothing in his life except the, uh, except the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Patton Oswalt is basically, you know, he's that guy and he's the entire movie. Even though I don't think in real life he follows sports at all. Uh, I guess he's acting. But it's really good. You should check it out. Okay, so Pat Oswalt can't help George out with Breakfast at Tiffany's. And so George wants to know, could we call the person who has it and see if they're done with it? Maybe he can go pick it up. It's kind of a brilliant idea, but obviously no store ever would say okay to that. Yeah, so that Pat Oswalt punched it up on the computer. As Pat Oswalt is helping somebody else, George looks at the computer and then gets the address. I mean, this is brilliant, George. First of all, Joe Temple, the, the, the narcissism of like asking them if you could ask them to return it for me mm-hmm. and then looking like it's a double whammy. George is really incredible. No, it's great. Uh, this was a very underrated scene, I think, and something that I had kind of forgotten about. So George goes to Joe Temple's house and wants to know, hey, Joe Temple, uh, can I watch Breakfast at Tiffany's at your house? Or did you have to rent Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah. Which is going to turn into him watching it there. Yes. All right. So here's Jerry and his new couch, the new white couch. And, uh, you know, Jerry is talking about how he's so excited for the new couch to be here. Uh, yeah. It's uh, nobody can come. Nobody can sleep over. He's, he's pumped. Okay. So they're going to do a test of the Kramer Pizza Kitchen. Poppy is coming by. He needs the money from Jerry for those ducks. How much do you think those ducks were going for? I'm going to say 40 bucks maximum. 40 bucks each. Boom. Well, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's a little, I mean, it, like a restaurant business. Like, are you really showing up people's house and getting cash from them for what they ordered? That's a little weird. It's a shakedown. Yeah, it is. All right. So here comes Poppy. And again, he has just had this attack. And so he has to sit down on the couch there and so uh, Poppy, as he sits, the Kramer tells him to sit down. He gives us a real like, ah. Yeah. And it, right. And, and Kramer says, are you tired? And Poppy says, no. No. And it's 
It, and you don't know what's happening yet, but in hindsight, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Kramer wants to know uh, if, you know, think people really want to make their own pizza. And Poppy starts talking about his mom again. And Jerry ends up coming out with the money. Like, okay, here we go. And Jerry immediately sees as Poppy stands up a big wet spot on the white couch. Yeah, Jerry, you know, that's Jerry's so anal and, and clean that like it would have taken me, you know, to sitting down in it three hours later to notice. Whereas Jerry notices within two seconds. Akiva, I am wondering if perhaps there might have been a rewrite at some point in this episode because something doesn't make sense to me. We have Why? we've established that Poppy has the severe gastrointestinal distress. Mm-hmm. We see a scene where Poppy ends up receiving five alarm chili as a <laughs> gift. Oh boy. We have see Poppy where you're going. sit down on the couch and gets up and there's a stain. And Poppy peed the couch? Doesn't it feel like in an earlier draft of this script that maybe it was not number one that was left on the couch by Poppy, but in fact, number two? Oh my God. This is, you really, I, you may have uh, opened up a whole new door here. Notice I the think, color of Jerry's new couch. Yeah. It's to a me, white couch that Jerry ends up getting. And it doesn't show well. The P does not show well on TV. It does not. It does not. You wonder if maybe the NBC executives or the censors. Standards and practices. They'll always get you. Yeah. If they stepped in and said, no, we cannot do a poppy poop couch. Uh, it needs to be a poppy pee couch. Yeah. And, and Seinfeld has a lot of pee humor and not a lot of poop humor. Yeah. Because it almost it makes no sense why Poppy, anything he's going through, why he would suddenly lose control of his bladder. This is I mean, I didn't think about this. Nobody wrote in about this. I feel like you you should, you know, give yourself some applause. This is impressive. <laughs> you think that this is the case. I now that you say it, it, it had to at least have been bandied about in the room, yes. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what, Rob? What? No matter what happens, this is our first question to Jerry. <laughs> There's no way we're going to top this question. Jerry, back in uh, October 94. By by the way, first question, it should be our last question because he's hanging up, but still. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Jerry, now you, first off, hold on. Now, you know, I'm, this is Rob and this is Akiva. I just want to make sure you get the names down. If you, if you, we'll give you a second if you want to just get a pen so you have our names right uh, for the interview. Right. (laughs) I, you know, I, people sometimes will tweet at us and like, hey, we're, you know, I'm, I'm starting your podcast now. I'm going to catch up. I'm going to listen to all 90 episodes. I would love if anybody ever did, it, like, started that now. I would love for them to, like, write down when we say well, what questions we're going to ask Jerry. <laughs> until this one, I've forgotten the previous, uh, you know. I know Chester remembers everything since he was two years old. So yes. <laughs> one years old, I think. Yeah. But I, 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 if someone could remember any of them and send them to me, I would like that. Well, now it's like you're, this is a tall order that you want somebody now at episode 91 to go back to the beginning. Like somebody. No, I don't want anybody. No, that's that's too much. I wouldn't ask that. But like if someone was starting. Yeah. You know, we only do it. We don't start it until probably. So you need to episode. like tweet to that person who says, hey, guess what? I'm just starting the Seinfeld yes. podcast. And then you say, hey, could you do us a favor as you go through it? Get a pen. <laughs> write down all the questions we have for Jerry and Larry and the cast. That's a good. Yeah. If somebody ever tweets us and says, hey, I'm starting a new I'm going to I'm going to do that. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> Jerry immediately sees the wet spot and he says, Poppy peed on my new sofa. He has. a Yeah. He has a great reaction. <laughs> could it be? Oh, you know, it's and and also it's very cartoony like Poppy leaves in the time it takes Jerry to like start, you know, fully realize what happened. And Kramer's like, ah, you're making too much out of it. 
And Jerry says, uh, yeah, it's just a natural human function that happens to be on my sofa instead of in the toilet where it normally should be. <laughs> and it's it's the wrong person to have their couch peed on also. Right, right. Anyway, so now we see George at Joe Temple's house. And so that George explains the whole thing about the book club and Joe Temple was going to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's with his daughter. And now George invites himself to watch the show with them. And Joe Temple must be the world's most unassuming guy mm-hmm. yeah. to let this bold, creepy stranger, wh- by the way, and he explains like why he needs to do it. So he's clearly like he, he doesn't have some great reason like, uh, you know, he, he needs to like serenade his girlfriend with a song from the movie or something. Like, yeah. And he's he also cheating says, on his book. Club. <laughs> he couldn't read his book because of his pink eye. Yeah. <laughs> Which and, by, is- and by the way, if you were trying to get into a stranger's apartment. Shouldn't one of the last things you say be pink eye? Yeah, no, that's why it's so funny, which is highly contagious. <laughs> yeah. Pink eye. I, I, I went to, like, I had a scheduled eye doctor's appointment um, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I walked in, and my eye was red, and it, it had, uh, I, I don't remember why, but it had nothing to do with pink eye. And the doctor, the, eye, the ophthalmologist was so convinced that I had pink eye that he, like, made me feel really bad. He, like, called in the secretaries, uh, you know, the nurses or whatever, and, like, they like wiped down the seat I was sitting at in the waiting room and the entire chair. And they really made me feel like an idiot when I was 100% sure I didn't have pink eye. And I've never had pink eye. Yeah. And anyways, the point is, don't, that, don't have that be your pickup line when you're trying to come in that you had pink eye. Mm. <laughs> say that you're going blind. That's what George should say. Then the guy will really have some sympathy for you. Yeah. All right. So we end up seeing now Elaine back with Carl. And she asks Carl about the abortion question. Yeah, I mean, at what point, like at what date is it appropriate to ask this question? Yeah. So Elaine pops the question to uh, Carl. And what is Carl's answer? Um, he's, I like, he's, he says, you know, someday we're going to get enough people on the Supreme Court to change that law. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, that we talk about all the things that are different. And it does seem, though, that from 1994 to 2016, the abortion debate seems to be pretty much in exactly the same spot that we left it in 94. I, I would say yes, but it, it also seems a lot of the time like it's not issue number one. It's not no on either side. Neither candidate is talking about it at all. It's not like one of the top 50 issues facing the country, you know, from either side. I don't know. I feel like this past year with uh, Planned Parenthood being a big talking yeah, that's point. True. For both that sides. is true. Okay, I, I I sort of take it back, but in general, I think it's not like uh, in the news maybe as much as it was twenty years ago. Yeah. So people still feel just as strongly in two thousand sixteen oh, yes. as they did in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. This. Nobody's ever changed anyone's opinion on any on any subject. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of like kind of depressing, right? That sort of like speaks to like a lack of progress that we've made in terms of coming together on an issue. Oh, we've gone backwards. The hot pink <laughs> era is we've we're way we're way worse than we were. We're worse. Oh, no question. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> is there any reason for hope? Uh, hmm. You think like Twitter is going to change to ten thousand characters and then it's going to go out of business? No, we're in like, the hot take era. I know, but that'll be the end of the hot take era. Ah, so. in a year from now, when Twitter goes under with the ten thousand right. character limit. So we need to get on change.org and try to get enough signatures to get ESPN to fire Skip Bayless. And then I think that's the beginning of the start of us coming back together as a society. And we'll, we'll have like a McCarthy thing where we'll just go after anyone who has too hot of a take on either side of the, on either, either issue. That take is getting pretty <laughs> warm, sir. 
I suggest you tone down the temperature of that take. We're going to delete your account for you. Yeah. Get that take back down to room temperature, please. Please. Or we're going to take away your social media. Yeah. Too hot. Okay. So I love this scene with George uh, over at Joe Temple's house watching The Breakfast at Tiffany's where he just keeps trying to push the envelope of that he is at the movie theater and he wants the authentic movie theater experience. Uh, He is asking for popcorn, which they don't have. And he's like offended by the fact they don't have it. Not like, you know, not like, okay, that's fine that you don't have it. Yeah. He's like, you know, a lot of people do keep popcorn in the house. It's not that unusual of a request. Like if you invited this George over here. Yeah. And he acted like this, you wouldn't invite him again. But he knocked on a stranger's door. Mm hmm. No, it's great. Everything is great. Uh, I love it when he starts off like, has anything to nosh on? <laughs> They're like, what? It's just so funny that they say anything to nosh on. And he, you know, it's funny because he, they didn't offer him a, a cup of water, right? Right. I feel like they could have gone to that well here also. Like, I can't believe he didn't offer me anything to drink. Yeah. Uh, they give him some nuts. They say they have some nuts. Uh, and he starts doing like material about how there's two nuts named after people. Yeah. Hazel, which I've heard of. <laughs> Yeah. And Filbert, which is that a real nut? I have not. I've not heard of that as a name or a nut. Well, I know Dilbert. <laughs> right. But that's I know not. Dogbert. <laughs> and then he's saying like, hey, could we turn the lights off and have like an official movie atmosphere? <laughs> and Joe Temple's daughter hates George so much. I, first of all, 14 year old girls hate a lot of grownups. <laughs> but can we talk about how is George sitting next to her and, and not next to Joe Temple? Yeah, you know, it's a pre catch a predator world, Akiva. And now we're in a post catch a predator world, which is just as bad. Right, right. No, the, you, George wouldn't even be buzzed into the building at this point. No, but I, I mean, I, I think catch a predator really needs to come back. Yeah, where is Chris Hansen? I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, listen, he's just working up. He's working up some really long cons on on some real weirdos. <laughs> did he retire from the business, Chris Hansen? I'm not sure. That's a good question. What's the last thing he did? I mean, all I know that he, I mean, maybe he's just like a regular Dateline. Like he could be in obscurity on Dateline. We'd have no idea. We don't watch Dateline. I guess so. But I feel like that, you know, in this true crime world. Catch a pre- I, I searched him on Twitter and uh, he's a professional golfer now. What? <laughs> no, there's a different Chris Hansen who, who's uh, who's verified. There should only be one verified person per name. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like the golfer Adam Scott and the actor Adam Scott should have to fight like to see who's more famous because that's confusing. Mm-hmm. I could have two people with the same name. So you want professional athletes much like, okay, well, oh, my name is Michael Fox. Well, no, you have to be Michael J. Fox because we can only have one Michael Fox in the union. So do you feel like it is like a union there? By the way, that must be why you're not verified. There must be another Rob Cesarino <laughs> is more famous than you. Yeah, I guess so. So do you want to see athletes also have to go through this? Like, like there can't be like seven Brandon Marshalls. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's for sure. D Brown. There's some really com- Mike Smith is an incredibly common name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we need to I mean, Twitter, it doesn't matter. We're making rules for Twitter. That's not going to exist by the time this, you know podcast is over yeah the hot take era is over apparently uh killer instinct with chris hansen is a thing he also was himself on inside edition so i don't know i guess he he might still be out there can we get him oh, wait on he was himself on inside edition he didn't play a character on inside edition no okay maybe we can get him on the podcast is he a seinfeld fan uh, maybe i mean he worked at nbc yeah, that's true okay so we get this really funny scene, which I think completely went over my head seeing this uh, the first time through. And I think this is an episode that I watched many times on the reruns. So we have Poppy and Kramer talking about the pizza. And at what point does the dough 
become a pizza. Rob, I want to stop you right here. Yes. First of all, obviously, 11-year-old Akiva didn't understand what was going on here. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, to me, Seinfeld has missed what is, in my eyes, the most obvious, easy joke of the whole series. Yes. What is that? I got four words for you. Slice begins at conception. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I feel like they could have thrown that in there. So they're going back and forth and it really sort of starts to peek at that Kramer wants to put cucumbers on his pizza. And Poppy is like, what are you doing? And Kramer says, hey, it's my pizza. I should be able to do whatever I want to it because it's my pizza. And Poppy wants to tell Kramer what he can or cannot do with his own pizza. Yeah, I'm going to give you a really hot take here. I just thought of. Yeah, well, I thought we're done with hot takes. You're part of the problem or are you helping? Uh, this is the last one. This is the last one. Okay. I would rather eat Poppy's pizza knowing his hygiene issues mm-hmm. that he probably has not washed his hands after he went to the bathroom. Because mm-hmm. first of all, the pizza is in like a 600 degree oven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, way before I'd eat Kramer's cucumber pizza. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's probably just a thin slice of cucumber. I feel like uh, it really wouldn't kill you. It would ruin the entire slice. It's (laughs) abhorrent. What about sushi with a cucumber? I take it out. When my wife, like my wife and my kids, they'll have like a sushi making night. Mm -hmm. And if they give me uh, sushi with cucumber, I will pick out the cucumber before I eat the sushi. Sushi is uh, no problem. That's all kosher. Yeah, I mean, you could have like crab, like real crab. That wouldn't be kosher, but... Mm -hmm. You can have kosher anything pretty much outside of shellfish. Yeah. Okay. So again, this is a a very funny scene where Kramer and Poppy debate at what point does dough become pizza? Um, According to Kramer, it's not a pizza until you take it out of the oven. Uh, Poppy says it's a pizza from the moment that you start. Akiva, what is your take on this? When no does boy. a pizza oh, I I, become that. a pizza? I mean, if you had, if you just had on a counter in a in a pizza shop, and you just had you know some dough on it, you could turn it into anything. It doesn't have to become a pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, you could roll it up and make a uh, you know a stromboli out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So to me, it's not a pizza till at least it goes in the oven. <sighs> I feel like it probably becomes a pizza a little bit earlier in the process. I think it becomes a pizza once you put the sauce and cheese on it. I think that once it's on the counter, even though it hasn't been cooked, I think that is still a pizza when it has just dough and cheese and sauce on it. I think that once those three ingredients come together, I think that's officially a pizza. I think then you're talking about an uncooked pizza versus a pizza. But I don't think that at the point, according to Poppy, once you put your fists in the dough, that is a pizza. I disagree. Uh, well, what about partial birth pizzas? Yeah, well, <laughs> and I, again, I think that Kramer is, you know, saying that uh, according to the Kramer logic, I mean that you could have, uh, you know, it does not become a pizza until you take it out of the oven. I think then you would, you know, um, there there are reasons why. Uh, you know, unless in very serious cases, we are not talking about the termination of a pizza before it comes out, right before it comes out of the oven. Like that is like a, that is a pizza. To each their own, whatever, whatever anybody wants to do with their own pizza is fine with each their own. So I feel like, you know, somewhere later than Poppy is saying, you know, I think Mm -hmm. that at the point where like the flour first hits water, I don't think that that is a pizza at that point in time. I think somewhere in the middle between when Poppy is saying that, hey, this is dough and Kramer saying, here's a hot pizza, somewhere in between that has become a pizza. So uh, really then Poppy and Kramer are going to break up over this, much like Elaine and Carl. 
I can't two people with different political opinions just get along. <laughs> Especially that Kramer and Poppy can't even agree on when does the dough become pizza. Yeah. Oh, man. Forget <laughs> if they get the like campaign finance reform. That's it. Forget it. Yeah. Okay. So they go back to Joe Temple's house and uh, Joe Temple's wife is going to come home. His, I have a thousand questions about his wife. But <laughs> the basic question is, why is she like totally basically unaware of the fact that George is on the couch the whole time? Yeah. She doesn't really seem to mind it too much. It's not mine. Like she, like she has no intellectual curiosity until George is being a jerk and and pipes up. Yeah. So Joe's wife is talking about. Apparently, they have a friend named Duncan who is dealing with some sort of a health crisis, and it's not looking good for Duncan. And George is trying to shush Joe's wife. Yeah. I mean, the number one rule of being a guest is shush the person who didn't invite you. <laughs> yeah. And Joe's wife continues on. And George's like, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry to do this, but, you know, we're just right in the middle of this thing. I can't hear. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they didn't punch him in the face and throw him out the window, like the temples are the most yeah. understanding people. And they're like, what is going on here? And he's like, you know, really, it's very hard to follow the action with all this talking right now. <laughs> I just love what they did with this. It's like, what are things that you would have if it was a movie theater? What are the things that you would complain about if it was a movie theater? And they just like basically like tried to like do each one there at Joe Temple's house. Yeah. I mean, George was really raised by wolves. <laughs> yeah. And Joe Temple's wife finally wants to know well, who is this guy? And uh, the daughter says uh, he's in a book club and he's trying to cheat on his test. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp kid. Yeah. All right. So uh, George ends up getting a drink. Uh, he gets some grape juice, which he really helps himself to. Yeah, and he's already taken some, it sounds like. But yeah, yeah go for the grape juice. So Joe Temple's daughter has taken George's seat, and he's like trying to like fight her to get back <laughs> into his seat on the couch. This goes too far, almost. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that George could probably be arrested here, no? I mean, at the very least, like if you were in your own house and a stranger comes over and somehow you let him in, and yeah. now he's pushing your daughter off the couch. Right. You're probably going to take him and toss him from the house. Right. And he's trying to get back into his spot. And he's saying, can you scooch over? And eventually his grape juice goes flying onto the couch. I mean, <laughs> great job by George here. It really is a great scene. <laughs> Very funny. All right. So we go back to Jerry's house and Elaine is there. And we see that Carl the mover is taking the pea couch out the pea couch is going to George's house. George is going to flip the cushion over. He doesn't mind. Does that seem about right for George? Oh, yeah. I mean, if if he flips the cushion over. Yeah. Yeah. He should have had to buy the grape juice couch also from Joe Temple. Yeah, we don't really see what happens there. We do see Joe Temple and his daughter again uh, next season when George tells uh, his boss that he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard <laughs> and now needs to prove that he has a black friend. He does go. Uh, try and get back on Mr. Temple's good graces. Can I pitch you something to improve this episode? Yes, go okay. for it. So Joe Temple says to George, you ruined my couch. You need to replace my couch. This is, you. I invited you into my house. <laughs> you have to replace it. And so George ends up getting the poppy pea couch from Jerry for free and sends that to Joe Temple's house. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure why they didn't try that. Yeah, but, luck, it's it's hard to squeeze in. This, this episode already has a zillion scenes, but could have been cut is, for that time. is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, it could be a little bit also too much like the cashmere sweater, though, with the spot. It, it actually is. It, it, they do that like similarly 
about three different times. But yeah, that would make sense to just re-gift the couch. Okay. And so now, then also, Carl the Mover, even though uh, he is very much pro-life, too much so for Elaine, that he's still going to go to Elaine's house and get the Jerry couch to bring back to Jerry. The only movers in the entire New York City. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But he's pretty thirsty. And so... Well, he wants to know from Elaine, uh, or she offers him a drink. All she has is grape juice, and she goes to throw him the bottle of grape juice, but it doesn't end up hitting his hands or it breaks on the couch. You should always throw glass bottles with purple substance in them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just felt like that this whole thirsty thing ends up just sort of being tacked on. It feels like just like out of left field. Like it wasn't even a lane. It's too much. It's fun when things tie together, which this does, but if it's too slapsticky, which some things in this episode are, it's a little too much. Yeah. All right, so we end up with George at his book club at Monk's, and we see his girlfriend, Marie. She looks like she's somebody who's been in everything. What, what do I know her from, Akiva? I, I really don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure like what her main credit is. Uh, we will see the girlfriend next week. Yeah, maybe it's just from seeing her next week on the show. She's very familiar with that person, I feel like. Uh, I don't know. Is she that person? I'm not sure. I feel like it. And so they're talking about the <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany's in the book club. And George is just basically like citing things from the movie. Uh, yeah. And I guess the, I guess the catch is that uh, he, he's, she, he says that Holly Golightly got together with her neighbor, but uh, the neighbor is gay or something in the book. I don't know. A little too uh, inside baseball on the breakfast at Tiffany's. There's, there's nobody who gets that joke. That's the issue. <laughs> Yeah. Like the four people who read that book. No offense. Apparently it was a big hit in the writer's room. Yeah, they must have liked it. I mean, I I majored in English, you know, and I've never even heard of the book Breakfast at Tiffany's outside of Seinfeld. All right. So let's talk about the couch and put it all into perspective. A lot of fun stuff here. Uh, So Akiva, why don't we talk about each character and what we are going to grade them on. Jerry, I guess his storyline is the Poppy P couch. Yeah, the puppy, if he's getting credit for the puppy P couch, that's an A. Plus, he's really the puppet driving all the insane action in this episode. So I'll give Jerry an A. Okay, what about George and everything going on at Joe Temple's house? I mean, to me, that's also an A because that's just, you know, it's it's so funny when he's in there and it's so outrageous that he's, you know, uh, you know, pushing the daughter and and, you know, acting like he owns this place where he really just, uh, you know, it's a classic George episode. So Kramer going into business with Poppy that he has the succulent duck. He also visits Poppy after his attack. And then he has the debate with Poppy over the dough. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, unless you're giving him credit for the Poppy P couch, which we just gave it credit to Jerry for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the scenes with Poppy are pretty weird. We didn't like the actor last time. I, it, to me, he's a mess this time also. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, the character of Poppy. Uh, so I give Kramer a D here. A D? Wow, I feel like you're very hard on Kramer here. Well, I, I mean, he just did not that he did anything wrong. I guess I'll, I'll bump it up to a C because I like the bit of physical humor when he got <laughs> nailed in the face with the couch. Yeah, I think that the whole thing with Poppy and talking about the dough, I think, is at least a funny idea. I feel like that it could have been executed a bit better. It's like kind of a stretch yeah. what they're talking about. But I okay. And then what about Elaine and the mover? I, that, I mean, the scene is funny, you know, when 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 he it's funnier. I mean, it's funny when the when the when the boyfriend tells her, mm-hmm. but it's even funnier when do we even have a name for the boy? I guess they, oh. they give him in the script, but do they say it ever in the show? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, but I, but uh, you know, it's funny when she sort of realizes when Jerry tells her, like, is he pro-choice? And so I'll give her a B plus there. It's pretty good. Not so much heavy lifting for Elaine. I say that. No, leave that to Carl. But I feel like that for Elaine, I think you're being a little bit favorable with Elaine. I think you were too hard on Kramer and too favorable 
with Elaine. I feel like that if they're going to end up doing jokes about, you know, uh, the pro-life, pro-choice debate, I feel like that the jokes they end up doing are probably funnier with Kramer and Poppy than they end up being between Elaine and Carl. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I agree. Okay, all right. So then Akiva, what about in terms of things that are different between 1994 and 2016? Well, the most obvious one is that George would not have such a struggle if he just wanted to watch the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, it would not be so difficult. There's a thousand different ways. Right. Uh, it's probably on Netflix and sorts of things like that. He could be watching any given movie at any time for in five minutes or less. He could be watching any movie in the entire world. It sounds like the an ideal world that you're describing, but it seems like all anybody can do is complain about that. <laughs> yeah. People aren't that interested. No. If you told someone back then, they'd think we lived in a utopia where unicorns are on the earth but yeah we take it for granted we do take it for granted okay so akiva where do you have this in your overall season rankings very hard episode to rank for me because there are some lows i I, you know i really don't like the character of poppy the actor is i I really don't think is is even decent uh you know he is he's so hard on poppy he barely gets his lines out (laughs) Uh, i really like the the temple scene stuff some of the abortion stuff is funny, but it, they take they, they try too hard with it. Yeah, it could go anywhere. This episode, you could if you could There's tell me probably the better analogies that you could have used than dough yeah. and pizza. I agree. I agree. Um, so I'm going to put it somewhere near the middle, just because it's up and down. But if someone told me it was one of their favorite episodes, I wouldn't really gripe with it. So I'm going to have it at 75. Okay. All right. Let's get into some of your emails. By, by the way, uh, just in case anyone's really pathetic and tracks it, it's uh, 74. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into taking some of our emails. Of course, they come in every week. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps. Uh, let's start off with an email from Jim who writes in to say, isn't it weird that George sits by the daughter to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's? Is it odd enough to watch a movie in your living room with a stranger? But who's going to let their teenage daughter sit by George? Yeah, we talked about it. It's the uh, not to catch a predator era yet. Still, it's like he, she wouldn't even want to sit next to this creepy old man. It's a good <laughs> point, Jim. All right. Harry writes in and said, I did a search to see if there were any make your own pie places. I couldn't find any place where you put your own fist in the dough. But I did find an article from two years ago, which also gives Kramer a shout out. It's called Build Your Own Pizza, the latest hot trend in casual dining. What do you think of that, Akiva? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it I haven't heard about it. So I don't think the uh, I don't think it really took off as as a business idea. Yeah, but you could totally see it other than, you know, the thing that Jerry cites, I think, all the way back in season two when Kramer first has has this idea of you really don't want people you know, sticking their hands in this hot oven, but it's you would, true. You would think that you could have some sort of like conveyor belt action that goes on where sort of like, did you ever have like that toaster in college or anything like that, where it's like the bread is just like on a conveyor belt that goes to the toaster. I feel like that you could just put the pizza on the thing and it's just going to go through that sort of conveyor belt and get to the other side. And then it's done. I will say like, if I told my kids we were going out to the pizza store or like they went to someone's birthday party at a pizza store and, and they could all make their own pizza and, you know, they wouldn't physically put it in the oven, but they could build their own pizzas. They would love it. Like people would actually do that. But I don't know if it's sustainable as like a full time business. Liz wants to know if a baby had peed on Jerry's couch, would he have been as upset? Yeah, to me, it's it's not. I mean, Poppy's gross, but to me, Jerry is such a neat freak for some people. They'd care less if it was a baby, but not uh, not Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, what about if it was a dog? Is that better or worse? Give him power rank a baby, a dog, and Poppy. A uh, baby's the least problematic. Mm-hmm. 
I I think a dog is the most problematic, but I, I don't know. I, I've never had a dog, so I don't know what's going on. A dog is worse than Poppy. I, I don't know. Like, the dogs pee more? I really don't know anything about, uh, about dogs. Yeah. I'll tell you that I had the dog recently. My, that my dog is very bad, and the dog is, like, trying to, like, cry for help, like, like to try to get attention, and the dog recently peed on my couch, and I had to get a, I had to get a wet vac. I didn't get rid of my couch, but I had to get a wet vac and just shan, like, uh, you know, I, I didn't just turn the cushion over. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, that's you know, that, I feel like I was very upset. You were? Did you? What do you do? Do you put the dog in timeout? Well, it happened. <laughs> of course, these things only happen when I'm not around. Like this, this is not happening on my watch. It's always like, oh, we don't know what was happening. So it could have been your son, and he just blamed the dog. I mean, no, and he's he's really you know, like not that articulate enough to have a big lie like that. <laughs> no, George Costanza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, this was all on my on my wife's watch. So I don't know. You could a lot of mysteries that go on down there while I'm up here podcasting, talking to you, Akiv. <laughs> she put some cameras there. See what's going on. Yeah. Craig says, uh, when it comes to cucumbers on pizza, I always thought it was a good idea. But I do wonder if it's possible due to the consistency of cucumbers. Would the cucumbers shrivel if you put them in the oven because they have a lot of water in them, Akiva? Yeah, there's I've never. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on pizza? <sighs> I'm sure that there's some really weird stuff if you think about it. Um, I mean, I don't know what comes to mind. Uh, I, my wife would say pineapple. That is weird. I, I, you know, there was a place near me growing up that had uh, French fries, which I love on pizza, mm. and onion rings. Onion rings are really good. Okay, but I don't know. I'm trying to. I don't know if there's anything like super crazy that I've had. Yeah. Oh, tuna fish. Tuna fish. That's messy. Johnny DeSilvera says, "I know Carl doesn't have any furniture." But why doesn't he have a proper car or truck to take a lane out on their dates? Yeah, why does Carl have to take a lane out in the moving truck? Yeah, and he probably doesn't own the company, right? He's physically moving. So I don't know if the company knows that he's using it as his personal car. Yeah, I wonder, does Carl live in the moving truck? Oh, boy. He says he doesn't have any furniture. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, we really maybe need to. We don't see more of Carl, but we really should find out more about what he's going on here. Sort of similar to the plot line when Elaine dates the homeless guy, right? Yeah, I think I think Carl. There's more to me than meets the eye, but we'll, we'll never find out. All right. So then let's go to Amir, and he has a couple of thoughts about this episode. He says, "Given that Poppy's mother dies from eating bad fish, don't you think he would have been a lot more careful with general hygiene when cooking food?" Listen, I know people who who you know were very bad with money, and uh, they lost their house, and then their children are also bad with money. It doesn't always work like that. Amir says, Poppy's question, don't they know I have a gastrointestinal disorder, must be the most absurd thing ever said in Seinfeld. Why would the gang be informed about the personal, complicated medical history of a restaurant owner they have virtually nothing to do with? Yeah, Poppy's a monster. (laughs) Also, on that same note, Amir would like to suggest that Poppy is the worst person we've ever met on Seinfeld. He starts off by offering a completely inappropriate story in response to Elaine's benign comment about his mother being proud. Then he spouts his political views, mocking anyone who would think differently. He yells at Jerry and Elaine while they're not welcome in his restaurant. Then he follows up by demanding payment for the duck, even though he already has a lot of money, quote unquote. Well, I don't know about that one, Amir. I feel like they do owe for the duck. Mm, but didn't he kick them out? Yeah, I guess. No, Elaine said I'm leaving. Okay. And then he fully blames his illness on Jerry and Elaine, an absolutely ridiculous notion, followed by anger at the fact that they are unaware of his private medical history. And at that point... He goes to Jerry's apartment and urinates on his couch. Think about it. He pees on Jerry's couch and then just walks out like a total sociopath. He is the worst person on this show's history, and I don't think it's even close. Yeah, he makes a really strong case here. 
I think so far we've had we really didn't like Chickless, uh, and we really didn't like the the lady from the the uh, baby shower. Yeah, but to me, it's hard to argue. I think Poppy. We don't know so much about his motivation, but maybe he's just like an old crazy person. But I, I think uh, he might be right. Poppy could be in the driver's seat for worst guy on Seinfeld. Let me speak on Poppy's behalf. Let me defend Poppy a oh little boy. bit. Guys, get ready for this hot take. Poppy is a man from another generation. He's an older guy. If Poppy today, what would Poppy be? 70? You know, he's set in his ways, Poppy. And he comes from the old country. They didn't have Purell back then. I don't think it was uncommon for people to be cooking with their hands and not necessarily scrubbing in like some sort of a brain surgeon before every single meal. And Poppy, with his old world values, you know, he does not really fall in line with how a lot of people feel about certain political issues here in 2016, let alone 1994. And then in terms of Poppy and the accident which he has, maybe Poppy was embarrassed. Yeah, and this is embarrassing. It, you're not a bad person because you pee on someone's couch, but it's just, it adds up. It's, it's this and that and everything, uh, you know, everything equals uh, that, you know, we, we don't see any redeeming qualities that Poppy has. No, no. Although his daughter loved him. I, I mean, I, I, you could say that about a lot of bad people <laughs> in history that the daughter loves them. And finally, Chester weighs in and says, Elaine, the vegetarian, loves duck. Oh, man, you, you really have to you know, wake up early in the morning to get one past Chester. That's a good point. <laughs> Chester writes in and says, Kramer's make your own pies with Poppy. George is cheating on his book club. Elaine's abortion advocacy with storylines across the board. This episode is headed to an elite ranking, but this episode might have had the worst ending of any Seinfeld episode. It's bothered me for years there's no conceivable scenario in which anyone, especially Elaine, who isn't exactly Keith Hernandez, would overhand throw a glass bottle of grape juice across a room. So dumb. Yeah, I, it's true. It is dumb. Finally, then, Chester writes in, on September 29, 1994, Jessica Heck debuts on Friends as Susan, perhaps the most prominent gay sitcom character on American TV to that point. A month later, on October 27th, when she shows up on Seinfeld, the only more famous 90s sitcom, for a total of one line, which is her calling someone else gay. Was this intentional? All right. Well, I guess we figured out who, who the uh, where should we know her from. Well, I don't know. I don't I'm not I don't know Susan from Friends. Do you know Susan from Friends? I know Susan from Seinfeld. That's I mean, true. I must know her. I just probably don't know her character. Right. So there she is. Uh, well, Susan from Seinfeld also goes gay. But I think um, I think that uh, he's he's pushing it here. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know if they uh, first of all, it's a month later. Like the, this episode could have been written. Yeah. OK, well, I'm just telling this is Chester's take. We just we report the emails. We don't necessarily. Yeah, have this to is lukewarm with. from Chester. This is a lukewarm take. <laughs> a lukewarm Chester. take. All right. Akiva, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, we got the gymnast. We have uh, a Jerry dating a Romanian Olympist Olymp- mm-hmm. Olympian. I should probably know that. Mm hmm. And uh, we have uh, George eating food out of the garbage. Oh, I like that. I like that. I feel like the uh, Olympian story, I feel like I'm not crazy about. Uh, well, why don't you sell the episode real hard now? Why don't you just tell people to skip next week's podcast? I'm telling I think I like the George storyline. <laughs> yeah, the eclair in the garbage is certainly the most memorable part of the gymnast. Yeah, but we'll see. Sometimes, like, my mind doesn't necessarily... Uh, sure, no, there are times where you think, oh, I love this one, and it's like, eh. And then there are times like, oh, I really forgot. This is really funny. Yeah, so we'll see how it all plays out uh, next week. Of course, thanks to Mike Moore, who does a great recap of these episodes and Scott St. Pierre really killing it on these edits. 
of these. Uh, seems like, uh, you know, they get longer and longer, these Seinfeld podcasts. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think uh, we made point, some good money this week for the charity. Yeah, Dan, Dan is really he's going to have to get a second job, maybe work some overtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sell some stuff from his house. I don't know. All right. So what is the hashtag? Akiva? We've talked about so many things today, Keith. Well, I really like slice begins at conception. <laughs> Do we want to have conception in the tweets? How about just you have- slice begins? OK, slice begins. That's slice fine. begins. There you go. All right, so we'll be back next week to talk all about the gymnast. Looking forward to it. Of course, you can listen to more Akiva. Akiva and Chester are back together every single week on the 32 Fans in 32 Days podcast where they'll be covering Super Bowl 50 from soup to nuts. Yeah, I think uh, if anybody has any ideas what we could talk about uh, starting next week when football's over, um, all ears. I think that just you should uh, debate at what age do people start remembering things. Uh, that's good. We'll get back into that. If you also want more Akiva, you can hear Akiva and I talk about the people versus OJ Simpson also here on post show recaps. That was a very fun conversation. Akiva, myself and Antonio Mazzaro discussed the episode one of the new FX series, which Akiva is loving. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, you're not loving. I think it's good. I think it's pretty good. Oh. I feel like I'm not uh, like captivated. What kind of take is that? You need, I, need, I need something scorching hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> Why, to throw on me? No, I mean like I need a hotter take than that. It's pretty good. That's not enough. <laughs> okay. It is the hot take era. Also, uh, in terms of Seinfeld this weekend, Rich Tackenberg and I will be recapping SNL Live if it is already past 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, the what is it, 7th, the Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, then you can hear that in the archives. If not, then hopefully you can join us live 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Talk about Larry David on SNL. Yeah, looking forward to hearing your takes. All right. You can see it all. Postshowrecaps.com. I'm at Rob Sisternino. I'm talking to at Keeve26. Akiva, quick, your, your, super, your football podcast will already be posted with Give us your football pick for Sunday. Uh, I'm going to say Panthers 38, Broncos 10. What about you? Okay. Yeah, I would say something similar to that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't do scores, but I think it's going to be Panthers and Panthers. What do you mean there. you don't do scores? Like, ref- you refuse? I, I mean, well, I'll just make up a number. It's like, okay. Panthers, uh, you know, I don't even know if you understand this take, Eric. It doesn't matter if you don't know or if it makes no sense to do it. Broncos you just give. You just give your opinion. And, you know, would okay. Skip Bayless not give a score? He'd give a score. He'd give a score. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments on PostureRecaps.com. And, of course, uh, we love it to hear from you guys in English or Hebrew on our iTunes page at PostureRecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.